I was standing by my window on one cold and cloudy day when I saw that her come rolling or to carry my mother away. With a circle Be unbroken By and by, Lord By and by Welcome to the Unbroken Circle A special Matthew event Now as you might have noticed So far there have been two Of the promised four Unbroken Circle episodes And as a result of technical problems and some scheduling issues, it may remain that way for a little while. However, what I'm about to present to you is something I had initially thought of doing as a Christmas message. But as that day came and went, and now we're in March, I had left it to the wayside. But then I saw on social media today that today, the 13th of March 2019, is the fourth anniversary of the death of Terry Pratchett. And you know the old saw. A man's not dead while his name is spoken. So I thought we might speak his name a little bit right now. Initially, after I had the very lovely Al Kennedy on the show, I pointed out to him that as an actual real-life Scottish person, I should have gotten him to do a little bit of Knock-Knock-Fiegel dialect. Al, being a consistent overachiever, decided to send me two complete scenes from The Shepherd's Crown. And they made me very happy, and I wanted to share them with you. In addition to that, I had initially planned for, at the end of the series, to do a short reading from the second chapter of The Shepherd's Crown. You know the one. Yeah, it's that one. And so I called my friends Ginger Valentine and Annie Creighton, and they helped me out with that. Spoilers, of course, for The Shepherd's Crown if you haven't read it. But for now, as always, his name was Terry Pratchett. Young feagles were herding snails and wrestling. They were bouncing off each other, off the walls and sometimes off their own boots. They were in awe of Tiffany, seeing in her a kind of kelda, and they stopped brawling and looked at her nervously as she approached. Line up lads, show your hag how hard you have been working, their mother said with pride in her voice, wiping a smear of mutton fat off her lips. Oh no, Tiffany thought, what am I going to see? I hope it doesn't involve snails. But Jeannie said, Let yon hag hear your ABC now. Come on, you start slightly more wee than wee jock jock. The first feagle in the line scratched at his spog and flicked a small beetle out. It seems to be a fact of life that a feagle spog will always be itchy, Tiffany thought. Possibly because what is kept in it might still be alive. Slightly more wee than wee jock jock swallowed. A is for axe. He bellowed. To cut your heed off, you can. 
he added with a proud boast. B is for boots, shouted the next beagle, wiping something that looked like snail slime down the front of his kilt. So as to stamp on your heed. And C is for claymore, and Crivens will give you such a good kick in it and you stick that sword into me one more time, shouted the third, turning and hurling himself at one of his brothers. A yellowing crescent-shaped object fell to the ground as the brawl spun off into the brambles and Rob snatched it up and tried to hide it behind his back. Tiffany narrowed her eyes. That had looked suspiciously like, yes, a bit of old toenail. We'll, said Rob, shuffling his feet. Ye's always cutting these little chunks off them old gentlemen you goes to visit most days. They fly out the windows just waiting for a body to pick them up and they's hard as nails you can. That's because they are nails, Tiffany began, then stopped. She approached the scullery door in trepidation when she got back from her visits. Everything was shining clean and draped among the trees outside were old Mr Price's unmentionables as white as white could be. Only then did Tiffany draw breath. Excellent, she said to rob anybody. He smiled and said, Aye, we can, this would be a tricky job. Good job, I was with you this time, came a voice. It was wee mad Arthur, a feagle who didn't mind washing, due to his having been raised by a bunch of cobblers and then being a policeman in the big city. Wee mad Arthur, Tiffany often thought, had a battle raging inside him between his feagle half and the city half. But since every feagle liked a good punch-up, well, a fight inside yourself was just an extra treat. Big Yan pushed wee mad Arthur aside and said, We don't mind helping old big jobs and getting them squeaky clean, but we are the feagles and we treasure our dirt. Washing makes a feagle wither a We can't abide the soap, you can. Nay me, Rob, nay me! came a happy voice and daft Wally fell off the wall of the goat paddock. Bubbles floated away on the air as he rolled across the grass. I've told you about that, Wally, Rob snapped. It just makes bubbles come out of your ears. Tiffany laughed. Well, you can make your own soap, Wally. Make some for Jeannie. Take a wee present home to your kelda. It's easy to make. You just need some fat and some lye. Och aye, we're good liars, we are, Rob put in proudly. Famed for it, ye can. Well, I tried, thought Tiffany. And anyway, their spirits are pure, if not particularly clean. It was a strange night. The owls hooted almost non-stop, and the wind outside for some reason made the wicks of the candles inside wobble with a vengeance and then blow out. But Granny Weatherwax was dressed in her best and ready for anything. And now, in the deep warm darkness, as dawn began to stealthily steal the night, 
her soul had a visitor, an individual with a scythe, a scythe with a blade so shadow thin it could separate a soul from a body. And then the darkness spoke. Esmeralda Weatherwax, you know who comes, and may I say it's a privilege to deal with you. I know it is you, Mr. Death. After all, we witches always know what's coming, said Granny, looking down at her body on the bed. Her visitor was no stranger, and the land she knew she was going to was a land she had helped many others to step through to over the years. For a witch stands on the very edge of everything, between the light and the dark, between life and death, making choices, making decisions, so that others may pretend no decisions have ever been needed. Sometimes they need to help some poor soul through the final hours, help them to find the door, not to get lost in the dark. And Granny Weatherwax had been a witch for a long, long time. Esmeralda Weatherwax, we have met so many times before now, haven't we? Too many to count, Mr. Reaper. Well, you finally got me, you old bugger. I've had my season, no doubt about it, and I was never one for pushing myself forward or complaining. I have watched your progress with interest, Esmeralda Weatherwax, said the voice in the dark. He was firm, but oh so polite. But now there was a question in his voice. Pray tell me, why were you content to live in this tiny little country when, as you know, you could have been anything and anybody in the world? I don't know about the world. Not much. But in my part of the world, I can make little miracles for ordinary people. Granny replied sharply. And I never wanted the world. Just a part of it. A small part that I could keep safe. That I could keep away from storms. Not the ones of the sky, you understand. There are other kinds. And would you say that your life benefited the people of Lanka and environs? After a minute, the soul of Granny Weatherwax said, Well, not boasting, your willingness. I think I have done right. For Lanker, at least. I've never been to environs. Mistress Weatherwax, the word environs means, well, thereabouts. All right, said Granny. I did get about, to be sure. A very good life lived indeed, Esmeralda. Thank you, said Granny. I did my best. More than your best, said Death. And I look forward to watching your chosen successor. We have met before. She's a good witch, to be sure, said the shade of Granny Weatherwax. I have no doubts whatsoever. You are taking this very well, Esme Weatherwax. Oh, it's an inconvenience, true enough, and I don't like it at all. But I know that you do it for everyone, Mr. Death. Is there any other way? No, there isn't, I'm afraid. We are all floating in the winds of time. But your candle, Mistress Weatherwax, will flicker for some time before it goes out. A little reward for a life well lived. For I can see the balance, and you have left the world much better than you found it. And if you ask me, said Death, nobody could do any better than that. There was no light, no point of reference, except for the two tiny blue pinpricks sparkling in the eye sockets of Death himself. Well... The journey was worth taking. And I saw many wonderful things on the way, including you, my reliable friend. Shall we go now? Madam, we've already gone. Thank you for tuning in to The Unbroken Circle. 
The narrator of part one was Al Kennedy. In part two, the narrator was Lucas Brown, Granny Weatherwax was Annie Creighton, and Death was Ginger Valentine. All three of them did this out of the goodness of their hearts, so please take a moment to go and enjoy their podcasts, House to Astonish, I Will Fight You, Gem Jammer, and Key Change. I'll be back in your feeds very soon with a regular episode of The Math of You. Join me, won't you?